0: Last time we got to meet Sam Fredrickson and we heard the name Jimmy, but we'll find more out about him next on The Ex-Mormon Files. Hi, and welcome to another episode of The Ex-Mormon Files. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and I appreciate you joining with us. Uh, As I mentioned, we have Sam Fredrickson still here, and... uh, so oftentimes we just do half hour yeah. interviews, but I could tell there were other things that we needed to talk about that we hadn't and and uh, some important things, I think, that, that, that really help give uh, maybe certain people in the audience or those listening uh, a perspective that maybe they don't always get. And so, uh, and we learned from Sam last time that he's had challenges in his life. He's a young man still. And... Uh, what else? You very active in the church. Your family's very active. Temple workers mm-hmm. and a bishop. Your father mm-hmm. and, um, but Sam just there were things uh, that were challenging in living the commandments, and mm-hmm. and so he didn't feel like Mormonism was a good fit. Still had the hope maybe that Mormonism was true, yeah, and I'd that say maybe so. somewhere along the way you'd come back and I wouldn't kind of have see been the surprised. Yeah. Wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah. I think that's probably fair to say, but, uh, you end up again with some challenges and into a, a care facility or a yeah, hospital yeah. for a little while and, uh, kind of after hitting rock bottom as mm-hmm. we learned. And so along comes Jimmy. Yes. Yeah, so, so go back to telling us he, he had been sedated because he was going to have to leave the mm-hmm. hospital because of insurance issues, yeah. but he comes in, sits down and opens up and there, yeah, just talking to you
1: just talking. And, and so, like I had mentioned, um, Last time, I was in this kind of pseudo-proto-apologist stance of, you know, well, Jimmy, just because this is happening doesn't mean God loves you. And we, we just talked and talked and talked for hours, really. And we ran the gamut of those really, I feel like, base core questions that, that a new believer would have to the point where I was tapping into to something within myself that at this point, I'm not sure if it was just me talking. Does that make sense? But converting him to Mormonism? No, not necessarily. Okay. Just trying to, to shore up his belief in God. Because I okay. was like, he's not going to survive out there in this current state. And if if he loses that, who knows? So and here God's giving you an
0: opportunity to witness to him,
1: basically. Yeah, it's it's him. almost as if... Um, You know, in the Gospels when Caiaphas says it's better for one man to die than for a nation to perish, nation to perish, and um, John says that he didn't say that of his own accord, he was prophesying in that moment, and I almost sometimes think of it like that, like I was saying these things and, and I was thinking them, but I was speaking from a position of faith that I didn't know I still had. And so... That's fascinating. It was was a wild time. It really (laughs) was. And so we spent all night talking. He goes to bed. I go to bed. And the next morning, this is what just blew my mind, is the next morning he is still told he has to leave. And he goes. And it's no big deal. And I say, Jimmy, you were like a a raging bull. Like, they had to put you down. What's changed? What's happened? And he said to me, and I, I remember this clear as day through the last six years and everything that came with it. He said to me, I just guess, I guess I just did what I came here to do. You know, I guess I've, I've just got what I needed. And he left. And I was like, what does that mean? This, yeah. is, this is insane. What are you talking about, Jimmy? Did he, he feel like he met God then? Or I don't He know. certainly was at peace, though. He was peaceful. He was ready for it. Whatever the next thing was, he was ready for it maybe whatever you said yeah calm him. It's, it's possible and it was a cryptic it was a cryptic piece of a puzzle that later as I went on my life kind of fell into place because I left the hospital a day later and I came out I said I'm not gonna steal I'm not gonna lie I'm not gonna do drugs I'm not gonna drink at least for for two or three months and and go from there even though I was only 19 at the time um I'm just gonna try to to make it from here you know and and I wasn't going to live morally. I didn't think I needed any moral or ethical code. I just knew that what I had been doing was bad for me. Uh-huh. And so I was working the drive through at this restaurant I worked at, and I hated the drive through as many people do. And I had decided it was a bad day, and I had decided I wasn't going to look or acknowledge the people in the drive-thru.
0: Your your personal little uh, thing. my (laughs) own little bubble.
1: Everybody's been through a drive-thru with this kind of an employee, I guarantee it, where they're just done for the day and they're just there to be a robot and take your money and give you your food. And that's what I was doing. (laughs) And so when this truck pulls up and I see somebody get out of the truck and start bending down and then coming up and bending down, I just kind of shook my head and was like, what is going on? And so I open the window, and I'm not looking at this gentleman. And he speaks to me in a really, I mean, he's got a very distinctive voice. It's a very, very deep voice. And he says, I've got some pennies for you. And I was like, what? And he, that's what he had been doing. He'd been down yeah, on the ground grabbing. Yeah, he had dropped his change or somebody else had. And so he gave me the pennies, and I said, thank you. And I grabbed his card, and when I was little, I was in a Wendy's. And uh, uh, the cashier had taken my mother's card and read her name from the card. And then when she gave it back to her, she addressed her by her name. And to me, that was magic. And so that's what I always tried to do, is to learn people's names, even when I was in a bad mood, so I could say, you know, oh, here's your food, Bob, or or whatever. And so I look at the card, and it's Jimmy's first and last name. It's James, I'm not going to say his last name, just for privacy in case. And I am just awestruck. I don't know what's going on. And that he's sitting there in this. He's sitting car there. It's a beautiful truck. truck. It's like a brand new truck. And I finally say, I need to look at this person. <laughs> and so I look over and he, there is a man there who's about six foot four, three hundred to three fifty. He's got gray hair, but it's not long and wispy. It's it's a full head of hair and it's combed. He's got all of his teeth, and his skin looks great. And yet, when he spoke to me, I was able to put it together that that was Jimmy's voice that I had been sitting with for hours. And I looked at him, and I had not told him my name. I I can swear to that. (laughs) And he looks me in the eyes, and he says, howdy, Sam. And I just, like, backed up. And I gave him my, his card back, and I gave him his food, and he said, I'll be seeing ya." And I just froze. And as he drives away, I see his license plate. And it's the, the license plate with the cowboy on it. I think it's a Wyoming wy- license yeah. plate. And he had always talked about how his best days of his life were as a cowboy. And he even made us all watch Lonesome Dove just to prove how much he loved cowboys. At the uh, the hospital. (laughs) At the hospital, yep. It was on cable and we had a wonderful, like. it's like a two and a half hour movie. It was a wonderful time. And I just stopped. And the entire world just stopped and I looked at my manager and I said I got to take I got to take a break I'm really sorry I got to go did you try to chase the truck
0: down did
1: I didn't no I just I had to get out of there because I knew I knew what my next step was and my next step was to call the only person that I knew that really believed in God that I was really close to and could be honest with and that was the woman who would become my wife Katie she was the only good Christian in my life she was the only person that I felt I could really bear myself to at that time. And so I called her and I said, Katie, I think I just I think I think just saw an angel. I don't know what just happened. And I told her the whole story. And at that point, I mean, I don't even think I had mentioned when I got out of the hospital, I didn't tell anybody about Jimmy. I didn't tell anybody about our heart to heart because it had been completely, you know, it was an incidental thing. And as I told her all of this, she paused for a second and she said, so, well... When I was about 17, 16
0: or seventeen, and you've known Katie since middle oh, school, oh yeah, right? since middle school. We had never yeah. been romantically
1: involved because she would never date a non-Christian because she is a good Christian woman,
0: <laughs> and
1: I love you. And when I, but when I was sixteen or seventeen, when we knew each other and were talking, I had gone through a very dark time as well of spiritual evil or mental illness or com- combination, yeah. and she told me that since those days two years ago two or three years ago her mother had prayed every single day that an angel would come and visit me and i was pushed down i was pushed to my knees in the parking lot and at that moment i didn't know the first thing about being a biblical christian i didn't know the first thing about knowing a biblical god but i knew that the god that her mother had been praying to was the god who had brought Jimmy into my life. Wow. And as I've gone these few years, I know this sounds entirely crazy. I'm totally aware of no, that. No, I
0: think it sounds fantastic.
1: And I've gone through and I've played it over in my head and I've said, is it the same guy? Did I maybe get his last name wrong or, or what's going on? Maybe I did say my name when he rolled up to the... And what it comes down to at this point in my life is that if it wasn't an angel, that makes it almost more unbelievable to me that every single thing worked out exactly how it needed to to get me on my knees in a parking lot after 2 years of being extremely lost and only God could do and that and only God could do that. Yeah. I realized that I've always said I don't believe in coincidences and this was the only thing in my my moments of doubt that I would say, "Wow, well, maybe this was a coincidence." And I said, "Why am I doing that? Why do I why can't I just believe?" Oh. And so especially when mom mom-in-law has been yep. praying for an angel to i am so blessed by my in-laws they have been an amazing just this they have just been amazing christians who have taught me
0: what it is to be an so amazing what happens after this do you start to do you tell katie of course about yeah uh, and,
1: literally so i am still on the phone as i'm on my knees in the parking lot really? and i said to her after a moment or two of silence i said can I come to church with you and she was like yes please yeah she she
0: had she ever invited you before
1: yes so when I was in when I was very young or not very young 17 maybe I had gone with her to a youth group gathering Mm -hmm. and it was amazing I mean I was just sobbing the entire time the, the music was playing and it was so powerful and the lyrics were so powerful and we talk about feeling the spirit as Mormons. Yeah. You know, We feel the spirit move within us and, and it prompts you. And that was the, the point I had felt the spirit most strongly in my entire life. I could not stop crying. One of my friends also from high school was there. His name's Ian. And Ian came to me and like wrapped me up and was like, it's okay, man, I understand. God's so great. And I was like, I don't even know if I believe in God. What are you talking about? And it was amazing. But other than that, I had never gone to a Christian church. I had never gone to a Christian service. So you go to one? So I went to I well, I went to the Hastings. I don't know if do you guys had did you have Hastings here? They were just like a bookstore. Oh. They shut down. It's tragic. And <laughs> I I went to the Hastings and I bought the first Bible I found, which was the New King James Version. Okay. Because I had always read the KJV and I was like, I don't want that, but I don't want one of these Bibles that just talks like a normal book. Yeah. So I'm gonna go for the new King James Version. And, and I started reading my Bible two or three hours every day. And there were days when I, there was one day specifically when I overslept and I had missed my opportunity to, to read my Bible that day. And I was so distraught and I called, <laughs> or, and then two minutes later I got a call from my assistant manager who said, hey man, we're pretty slow. Why don't you just come in two hours early today, or two hours late today? Gave you a chance. Gave <laughs> me a chance to read. And so from there, I went to church, and I read my Bible. And I did have, like, your typical born-again moment. I had the moment of reading. I was reading in, I, I believe it was Ephesians 2, and talking about the reconciliation of the old man into the new and this and that. grace is in there, too. Yes, and grace so, is huh? in there, too. And Katie had mentioned, you know, if you wanna be saved, you pray this prayer. And, and so I didn't really know what it was. All I knew was that I was supposed to say to God, I wanna be saved, and he would do the rest. And I was reading my Bible at that point, and I was like, I think this is it. I think this I'm ready. This is what ready. I'm supposed
0: to pray for. Yeah,
1: and so I, I knelt down and I prayed. And another thing that led me to that point is that as, so this was such an amazing time because Katie and her friends would come. I lived in the basement of this house, and I had a little piano. And we would just sit and we'd play piano and we'd read the bible and we'd talk about god for just an hour or two every other day or so it was amazing it was unlike anything i've ever had before or after and during these times i just continually felt that this is the right place with the right people and as i look back and i say why didn't i go back to mormonism you know once i was sure there was a god once i was sure that that jesus christ had died for my sins why didn't I go back to being a Mormon? And I think it was that fellowship and that community that, as a Mormon, I had always been told that these people have some of the truth, but not all of the truth. Or Christians. Yeah. Really. Or their worst scenarios where they're the church of the devil. Yeah. And, <laughs> right. and I just said, that can't be. It cannot be that what I'm feeling is only part of what God wants me to feel. It's only part of the joy he wants for me because this is greater than anything I've ever
0: Have you through. understood grace as a Mormon?
1: I no. It was, I, it was very transactional, you know. It was very, 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 uh, you do good and you get good and you do bad and, and, heaven forbid, you get bad, you know. And one of the most life-changing things I've ever read, have you ever read anything by A.W. Tozer? Uh-huh. Yeah, know. so he, he in his <clears> book, <throat> The Meditations on the Trinity, he wrote, if God is love, and if God is loving, it means he is endlessly loving. If God is patient, it means he is endlessly Endless. patient. Yes. And I suddenly just realized that this thought, that there was going to come a day that God got sick of it, and that God said, no more, you've made the same sin 52 times 53 is out. I'm not forgiving it anymore. That was something that, for whatever reason, that's what I came out of Mormonism with. You realize God's love is endless. It's endless, yeah. Yeah. But I I remember in Mormonism thinking, I can only make the same mistake so many times before he turns from a loving father into an angry father, you know. And that was a really life-changing Thing. I mean, yeah. I'm sure most people watching this have, have felt <laughs> something like that, and it's
0: so. You amazing. still, at this point, did you had a? Um, you didn't really know any bad news of Mormonism. No. So and, and you were just learning this good news. Yeah. And reading the Bible, it sounds like you were very faithful and childlike in in reading yeah. it and trying to understand it. Yeah,
1: I went through the Old Testament. And I was like, I'm so excited to read the Old Testament. And really? I was, yeah, I don't know why. I was just stoked on it. And I still am. But I went through it almost certain that as we got to these laws about the priesthood and we, about the temple and about the sacrificial systems, mm-hmm. almost certain there would at least be a clue there, right? It's sacred, not secret, so we don't need to hide it, yeah. but there would be some sort of a clue in the text that would lead me to believing that what happened in church temples was was the right, true thing.
0: In Mormon temples? In Mormon temples, yeah.
1: And so I was very surprised when I found that that was not the case. I couldn't find anything. There was not anything, anything close, you know. Kind
0: of wonder about the restoration part of it. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. What are we restoring? Yeah. Are we restoring or are we building something
0: new? Blood sacrifices yeah. in the temple. And,
1: yeah. yeah. Katie said just the other day, if, if you tried to do what they do in the Old Testament in the Mormon temples, you'd be arrested straight <laughs> up. If You took in a lamb for slaughter. Animal cruelty. Yeah, they yeah. would just kick you out. And so I, for two or three years, I still trusted that the leaders of the church and that Joseph Smith, were doing what was right by their conscience and that they had maybe got a little confused and maybe they added some things, but at the end of the day, this was a, a good, honest man who, who died for his faith and all of that. And it wasn't... Oh. When did the CES letter... Or are
0: you headed there? That's where I'm... <laughs> okay, yeah. tell, tell us it's, about it's this. It's a necessary
1: stop on, I think, every <laughs> ex-Mormon's train. Um, I... So my older brother, Jacob, the one who's who's out of the church with me, he frequented the ex-Mormon subreddit on Reddit. Mm. And he would just tell me these little things that he found. And I told him multiple times, Jake, I just don't want to talk about that. I does I don't care. All I've all I need is Jesus. All I've got is Jesus. I don't need to be mad and I don't need to bring up the past. And then he just kept saying things that were too enticing for me to not follow up and so i went on the ex-mormon subreddit and within like 10 minutes i was reading the ces letter and within two hours i my entire perception of the church leadership never never the members but the church leadership was corrupt something's wrong something is wrong and they have to know if all else fails the prophet himself has to know that this is not what's going on.
0: And I think you bring up a point, uh, a good point, about not really wanting to maybe force yourself to go there. But we have loved ones in Mormonism still. And they have, they don't even know what they don't know, as as they've said so many times. And so when you learn these things, it confirms the fact that, okay, the Mm -hmm. Bible is trustworthy and I can, I feel like grace is important and what Jesus did for me. But they need to know that what they're believing isn't... Isn't there, <laughs> isn't yeah. Isn't right. Yeah. And they need to come to Jesus and come to, to trust the Bible. Exactly. Even if just for a more freeing Yeah, for life. the freedom and yeah. the liberty. And like you were saying, when you sin, the, the pipeline of priesthood mm-hmm. authority, you know, that's one of the scriptures, yeah. I think, 121 or something. And, you know, and uh, so we don't, we feel like we lose our authority yes. when we sin. and.
1: And, and I had to sit and ask, if I, as a 14-year-old making sin after sin, was unworthy to participate in my priesthood office, how could it be that the members of the church doing, or not the members, sorry, the, the presidents of the church, yeah. Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, how could it possibly be that they were worthy enough to be the prophet and to have the keys of the kingdom? And it just didn't add up. And and that I think was the final nail in the coffin for me of saying there is no and and I hadn't been considering it but I had never really shut that door all the way and by the time I was done with the CES letter I had nailed it shut. In fact, there was a little contention with you and Katie. Over, yeah, yeah, we over. would we would disagree and and she would say things like you know it's just not biblical it's just not Christian it's just not this and that and I'd say. I don't want to hear it. They're doing their best. They know. And they are. And they always have been. And especially... Well, they're
0: sincere people. They are I extremely...
1: Mean, loving. And. Yeah. That's the thing, is that when I look at my parents especially, they are love. They are always loving to me. They have taken in my friends and my brother's friends who are not members, who have drug issues. Good and for them. They are amazing, wonderful people. And so... When Katie would talk about Mormonism being false, I instantly got defensive for my family and for my parents, and I said, well, no, my parents couldn't be, you know, this and that and the other thing, and I just realized that that's not what's going on, you know. Just because Mormonism is false, it doesn't mean that anything about my parents and who they are has changed, you know. What it means is that there is a a system that I need to work to help them, And, and not just them everyone you know Mm -hmm. and so i went through this period of of the bible kind of unraveling for me i had this this same fear it's
0: joyful though isn't it oh yes
1: yeah Yeah. well it's joyful now but i had this fear (laughs) that that i would find the ces letter but for the bible you know, I was afraid uh-huh. that there was something out there that would prove that Christianity was all a hoax too, and it was just started by, you know, I some think, guys to I get power. I think
0: that's natural. Isn't yeah,
1: it? I was so scared, and it's it's because you're in a spiritually abusive place that once you realize that that truth is polluted, you think that there is no. You have to question objective. everything. Yeah. yeah, and so I went through years of not looking up things, of, of intentionally keeping my blinders on, because I was so afraid that if I took them off, I would see that Christianity wasn't true either. And then I'd lose my wife, and I'd lose everything I had. Yeah. And so one day I went, finally, I went to the ex-Christian subreddit, and it was so entirely different. It was just hurt people who had been hurt by Christians in their church who had been hurt by this and that, but there was no silver bullet. There was no CES letter. There was nothing they could share that undermined my faith. And as soon as that happened, I stopped being afraid. You know, the Bible, I had unraveled it in my mind, and I had gotten just to the brink of thinking, what if this isn't true either? And when I finally looked over, I fell back, and it just came back up. It just re-raveled, and I've been able to do a lot of study and a lot of preparation, and I'm actually looking at going to school to become a pastor. And, well, good for you. And it's because there is truth, and it's because the Bible
0: is truth. Well, and when the foundation is built on Jesus, mm-hmm. you don't have to worry about yeah. that. There are witnesses to him, and, yeah. uh, and, and the stories and, and everything are, yeah. are trustworthy. Timothy Keller... Uh, A great
1: great pastor said, you know, instead of giving us, like, watertight evidence and watertight proof and this and that for Christianity, we've gotten a watertight person. We have the person of Jesus Christ who cannot be contradicted, who cannot be seen to be false, who cannot be, you know, he's either a crazy person (laughs) or... He's the Lord of the universe, and he died for our sins. He yeah. doesn't leave it open for anything else, yeah. and we shouldn't either. And I know that he's not a crazy person.
0: <laughs> well, and there's such a freedom in that. Yeah. It's such a joy to have that kind of uh, uh, feeling. Yeah. Well, gosh, what are you doing now? You 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 say you're thinking of going to to. Uh, yeah, so I'm. Is I'm, that in Boise?
1: It's in Boise. Yeah, so I'm getting I'm getting my degree in history right now, just a little two year degree. Good for you. Then I'm gonna go to it's uh, called NNU. It's Northwest Nazarene University, and I'm gonna get a ideally a degree in biblical literature and Christian ministry can and then both, maybe go from there. You're even
0: thinking no, this way? I, I really, mean seven
1: years ago. I, I know. I mean or just Few years I, ago, right? I keep telling people if you think that people can't change, I would just like to tell you that what I'm most excited to do this year is to go to a country music concert, and
0: I'm studying to become a pastor. <laughs> and if
1: that doesn't mean that I've changed, I don't know what what can. You know. Well,
0: I love what Paul says about becoming a new creature. Yes. And you definitely define that. hundred uh, yeah. percent. It's it's wild. <laughs> And anyway, so we're just about at the end yeah. again. That's so quick. Um, what would you tell your family and friends? And
1: but, you know, the thing of it is, is I don't know, like, where anybody is. I, my family may never see this. They may see it. My friends may never see it. They may. Who knows how this is going to end up? I don't know where anyone is. And I don't want to sit here and and pull out the bad news. I don't want to sit here and and talk about the Book of Abraham and polyandry and all that kind of stuff. If there is one message I have for Mormons, it's the same message that I have for every person in my life. And that is that the God who created the universe created you. And he created you because he has loved you since before you were even a thing. He loved you before you existed. And because of that love, instead of remaining high and holy and far away, he condescended to us and he got his hands dirty, not because he, he you know, had to, to die or else he wants to smite you or something, not because he wants you gone, but because he wants you with him so badly that he'd do anything. He would do anything to bring you to him. And the same way that Moses lifted up that bronze snake in the wilderness and all they had to do is look at him and believe the same thing is true of jesus christ he that believeth in me hath everlasting life exactly you just have to look at him want him and he'll give you everything he loves you he has gone home to be with god and he is preparing a place for you right now and if you want to be there all you have to do is want him and love him and that's the message for Mormons, the message for non-Mormons, it really for is. everyone.
0: That's a good point. It's it's,
1: it's the only thing that I know to be true, 100%. Well, Sam,
0: thanks for coming yeah. over from Boise. And we're going to get to meet Katie next. <laughs> yeah. And I'm happy, it would be fun to talk to her. And anyway, good luck in all you're doing. Thank you, thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you coming. And we'll see you next time on The Ex-Mormon Files. This has been the audio podcast of The Ex-Mormon Files, with host Earl Erskine. The
1: Ex-Mormon Files is produced by Main Street Church of Brigham City. More information on this program, including the video version of it, can be found at exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. Do you have an ex-Mormon story to share? Write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com.